Hi, everybody. Marianne Williamson here. Thank you so much for being with me. This is an exciting interview for me. It's something I've been wanting to do. Uh, it has been scheduled and rescheduled. I could do it, but then he couldn't do it. He could do it, but then I couldn't do it. And finally, today was the big day I got to interview labor organizer Chris Smalls. Christian Smalls is someone who has already made history in his young life. He has actually led a successful union drive at Amazon. Amazon, as we know, is a huge corporate behemoth, and it is one of these huge corporate entities that has done everything in its power to keep unions out of its shop. Now, you know, you might say, as I think any reasonable person would say, with the billions of dollars that Amazon makes, the billions of dollars in profit that accrue not only to its uh, stockholders, but also to the big man himself, Jeff Bezos, why would they not want to give workers all the safety benefits, all the health benefits, all the things that will just enable those workers to have a dignified life, to make a living wage, and to be able to work with some happiness and some productivity and creativity that feels natural to them on a daily basis. Well, as you probably know, uh, that is not the way Amazon has seen it. So, Christian Smalls is the man who did what they said could not be done. He successfully unionized the Staten Island, New York warehouse JFK 8 in April of this year. Nobody would have thought that he could do it. It began when he was working at Amazon and he was upset by the, um, the lack of safety uh, measures that were being taken at the beginning of the pandemic when COVID was particularly dangerous. He felt as a worker there, uh, as many people felt, that they were not the company was not taking the measures that they needed to be taking to ensure the safety of its workers. He was just sort of blown off. Then when he tried it to stage a, a walkout, they fired him illegally. And uh, Amazon spent over $4 million on labor-busting activities. They brought in the big guns. They brought in the so-called experts. Uh, Christian Small and his uh, the gentleman who was his partner in this effort, Derek Palmer, they raised $120,000 on a GoFundMe page. They did what, like I said, supposedly could not be done. They really built community. They built solidarity. They took a folding uh, table, folding chairs, set them up outside the, the bus stop where workers came and went every day. They had food. They sang. They famously smoked weed, and they talked, and they prayed together, and they explained to people why it was to their benefit. Now, even as we speak, Amazon is contesting the election, saying it needs to be held again, um, complaining that the NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board, was unfair uh, in, its, <laughs> in its help that it gave to the union. Uh, they're saying all the things you would expect them to be saying right now. But Christian Smalls has already made history. Christian Smalls has already enlivened uh, single-handedly, practically, the labor movement in this country, along with incredible people like Sarah Nelson, so many others as well. There are thousands of people and more who have been involved in the larger effort. Um, now, look at what's going on at Starbucks, what's going on at uh, Walmart, what's starting to go on at Apple, Google. I mean, this is now a fire that has been lit. Labor's coming back. And it's coming back in large part because of this one young man, Kristen Smalls. I hope you enjoy our interview. Chris Smalls, thank you so much for being with me. I'm really grateful and I have really looked forward to speaking with you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. 
You are very much man of the season. Um, you've already made a historic difference, uh, not only in the labor movement, but in our contemporary relationship with capitalism itself. Um, people will be talking about you decades and longer from now. Um, my interest in you, uh, what I've thought about so much is, why you? And so I'd like to discuss that with you today if, if you don't mind going over some of those details with me. You had been working at Amazon, and you had a problem with the fact that you felt that they were not taking care of the health and safety of its workers in a way that was appropriate during COVID. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so when you first went and complained about that, what kind of response did you get? Um, it pretty much was just uh, negative. You know, it was um, nothing that was really a solution to what we were asking for. It was just nonchalant, uh, business as usual, um, not really worried about our concerns. You know, we needed PPE, we needed um, some some guidance on to how to socially distance. Um, it was nothing, you know, it was just very vague. Um, it wasn't really reaching anybody on the shop floor and I just couldn't stand with it. So when you went and made that complaint, were you alone in the office with the HR person or were, were other people with you? Um, at, at certain points, other people were with me, but uh, initially, no, I went by myself and then um, I, I brought larger groups days following, um, especially after my colleague tested positive, um, I started to organize workers in the break room. So we all have to remember, this is at the height of the COVID pandemic. This is when this was a very serious uh, situation. People were getting sick. What I'm curious about is your perseverance. What I'm curious about is the fact that they did not stop you. Now, if it had not been you, what, what would have happened for most people who were at Amazon at that time? They go, they complain to HR, HR just brushes off their complaints. And then what happens? Do people just figure there's nothing we can do? It would have been a lot more people deceased um, had I not did what I did. Mm -hmm. um, people have lost their lives, mm -hmm. you know, had mm -hmm. I not did what I did. You know, Amazon um, was forced publicly to provide the PPE, and they made sure that that week at, after I was fired that they dropped all packages right to the JFA. And um, unfortunately, uh, people still died um, that I've known that worked there. So you're angry at that point. You feel the sense of injustice, and you keep going. You don't let it go. You stage a walkout. At that point, Amazon starts realizing we might have a problem on our hands, but we don't really have a problem on our hands because Chris Malls is, quote, not smart, not articulate. When you, when you first do stage a walkout, though, they fire you, right? Yes, two hours after the walkout on the same day they fired me. What is it about you? What was going on inside you at that point that you said, I'm not stopping? What was happening inside you? Was, who was talking to you? Was it friends? Was it family? Um, because not everybody would have persevered the way that you did. What was going on inside? Well, yeah, at the time, you know, um, I was devastated by, you know, obviously losing my main source of income. So, um, of course, I had to talk to, you know, my, um, my relatives, my mother, I knew uh, you were going to say your mother. Yeah. I knew it. I knew it. Okay. All right, tell me. What did your mother tell you, Chris? Well, you know, she always told me um, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. 
And, um, you know, she just motivated me to continue, you know, fighting for what's right. Um, and, I, you know, I just, I spoke to, um, out of nowhere, Reverend Jesse Jackson called me. So I spoke to him. <laughs> uh, he really uplifted me, gave me some legal counsel. Um, and, and from that moment, I just continued to embrace whatever was thrown at me. Right. So when you went down to Bellsomer, Alabama, and you offered to be of service to their unionization efforts down there. They were being, that effort was being led by the people who supposedly know how to do all this. And they sort of shoved you aside too. What did you know? You were just a worker, right? That would have also felt kind of insulting and defeating. Yeah, you know, it was definitely um, disheartening that I wasn't uh, along with the people I, I went with, with, who are actually Amazon workers. Um, that we didn't really have a connection with the union down there um, to really help them the first time around, which I saw we wanted to do originally. Um, but we learned, you know, from their mistakes. We learned from uh, the opportunities that we saw, and um, we tried it our own way. And uh, you know, we don't regret the decision that we made. I felt that, um, you know, if we're going to make decisions based on the workers in the warehouse then who better than the workers in the warehouse? I heard you say, actually, in, re in talking about the community that you built, uh, you got your folding chairs and your folding table and you just set yourself up at the bus stop. Uh, you, would, uh, you would bring food. Sometimes you would bring food that was uh, more familiar to some of the immigrants who were, uh, who were the workers there. You would sing songs. You said you would pray together. You famously uh, smoked weed uh, together, which uh, Amazon is trying to use against you. Everybody else is saying, well, that was smart. Um, explain, explain not only the community building that you did, but you know, I want to go back a little bit to this David and Goliath issue. As I'm sure you know, because I'm sure your mother taught you well, um, King Saul took off his coat of armor and said to David, if you're going to do this, the least I can do is give you my coat of armor. He put on Saul's coat of armor and said, gave it back. He said, if I'm gonna do this, I have to do it my way. You pierced this incredible wall of power represented by Amazon huge corporate power. You pierced that wall and you pierced it through the level of community building that you did. Am I correct? That's, that's absolutely correct. Yeah. You know, we, um, we wanted to do it our way. Um, you know, we, we really didn't even have to reject help because we didn't get any, you know? So, um, you know, this, uh, to know that we did it our way and to, to really be successful, um, it's no greater feeling. And, um, you know, to have it worker led through and through, um, the workers understand the power now. And that was the only way and the best way that could have been done, you know, to have them do it themselves. And to me to be this outside, you know, presence at the bus stop, you know, knowing the ins and out of the company, um, you know, we, we definitely uh, wouldn't take it back. You know, this was the way to do it. And, um, you know, we're just happy to share this experience with the world. So, so um, originally we were approached by, you know, some unions that wanted to affiliate, um, which means that, you know, obviously we would have to start over our campaign. So that was a no-go. And then um, the rest were, you know, very vague uh, type of, of help, you know, or, or if any, you know, we didn't get it. So uh, 
you know, we didn't ask and uh, vice versa. Yeah. So you have already made history. You've already demonstrated what's possible. You've already started the reemergence of labor in a way that we have not seen in decades in this country, whether it has to do with people at Starbucks, people to do, uh, uh, people at uh, Apple, uh, all over the country now, there is this burning fire. Um, first of all, I want to ask you about the efforts going on right now. Um, you do feel that the NLRB, National Labor Relations Board, you do feel that they have uh, served you well and that they have been fair and helpful, correct? Well, I mean, they they um they've done what they can do. I mean, it's not really um it's still a ways to go, you know. Um, you know, their their laws are obviously outdated. Um they're they're way understaffed, um they're way underfunded. So it, it, it really is uh, a question is did the administration allow this NLRB to to help us out. Um, and, and the question, the answer to that is, you know, they, they have some work to do. You know, we want the PRO Act to be passed. We want we want some of these remedies to, to be quicker. You know, it shouldn't take two years for somebody to get fired and get their job back. Um, you know, companies shouldn't be able to control and dictate um, certain things that they are able to do now. And uh, we're dealing with that as we pretty much progressed through our campaign, we're learning that there's still some some things that need to be worked out when it comes to these labor laws in this country. Well, right now, Amazon, even as we speak, is trying to get the election overthrown. What are the other things to which you're referring, where you feel the administration could be giving you, and by extension, the entire labor movement right now, greater support in its efforts? Well, number one, they, they definitely shouldn't be giving $10 billion to Amazon, which they are um, that was just, that doesn't make any sense. And then, you know, these are taxpayer dollars, you know, um, the public needs to be, um, outraged as well, not just the workers, it's not just up to the ALU and the workers to, to take on all of the responsibility for holding this company accountable. Um, you know, Biden should be, um, you know, using that executive order pin, you know, there's something that he can do right now to help workers out immediately. I, I want to make sure that nobody misses out on this. First of all, that 10, uh, 10, billion, 10 billion, right, that they have, yeah. they have given? Um, he had said at the beginning of his presidency that he would not be giving any government pro, uh, um, uh, contracts to companies that were uh, actively opposing unions. But that's an example of his doing exactly what he said he would not do. What are the other things that he could do by executive order right now to be of greater support to unions? Well, definitely um, signing an executive order if the PRO Act is not going to pass. You know, there's certain things that they can take and, and get into order right now. Um, you know, uh, also just just uh, allocating some more money towards the uh, NLRB on a national. You know, we need to staff these uh, offices so that they can take on the amount of cases and inquiries that are coming in from workers. They can't That's even really keep up. Yes, that's what I heard from uh, union organizers at Starbucks when I asked about the NLRB. They said, yeah, I mean, they're trying, but they're, they're understaffed. You know, we have this idea of this huge government agency, but it's actually just a much smaller office 
than you would think and that it should then that it should be. Okay, so we know the success that you've been. We know that regardless what they do now, regardless of even if they overthrow the election, you've already pierced the wall. You have already inspired the imagination. You have already given hope to thousands, if not millions of workers out in America um, to think, well, yeah, maybe I could start a union. People who know that they can get online and see how it's done. I want to throw another compliment at you, if I may. When this all happens, I was really looking, as I'm sure many people were, really looking closely at you. Because all of a sudden, you were all over the media, and you did not waver. The kind of seduction techniques that the system uses to pull people over, uh, just please know that your demonstration of the solidity of your convictions, uh, your unwillingness to waver, please know what a difference it has made to so many of us who are looking very carefully at what's going on. Well, yeah, uh, just thank you again for that compliment as well. Um, you know, <laughs> right now the labor movement definitely is uh, reaching different platforms that um, we, we haven't seen. It's unprecedented at these times. And, um, you know, I know I'm a big part of that, you know, going on different platforms, talking about labor. Um, um, that's something that's necessary. And um, I, I see that the labor movement right now needs to be led by the younger generation. You know, um, there's no uh, there's no other way around it. You know, the, the older established unions um, are starting to see that the, the, the resurgence of this this type of revolution, the Starbucks workers, Apple, Google, Amazon, uh, you name it, even Walmart, Dollar General, uh, Target. They reached out to me, you know? Um, so it's just a beautiful thing to see, really. So what I hear you saying is that you recognize that your leadership role is not just in regards to what happens at Amazon, but that your leadership role, along with people such as Sarah Nelson and others, has to do with the larger, with the larger picture of the reemergence of labor at this time. I know you had one a friend, Derek Palmer, I believe, yes. who really, he joined with you, and I think that was a big deal, having even one person who really believes in an effort. But in terms of the overall workforce at Amazon, was it a slow, you know, slog trying to convince people that this was possible, trying to convince people it was a good idea? Did people seem too defeated to think it was possible? Yes. Um we definitely had to spend a large portion in the beginning of our campaign uh, just educating people on what a union is. Um, at first, of course, there's uh, so many questions, there several conversations um, to be held. And um, it took some people two to three months to come on board. Even some members of our core uh, leadership with the ALU, um, some of them didn't come until well after our first petition was uh, even filed. So it took people um, time. Um, it took people uh, coming back to the bus stop, talking to me directly. It's been a lot of that throughout the course of the campaign. Um, and just Derek presence, along with the other leaders inside the building every single day, um, advocating, even though the company was, uh, was union busting so hard, um, just having um, that militancy in the building uh, showed the workers that you know, when we come together, there's nothing that can stop us. What were the fears that people had about joining a union? Well, it's always about the money. You know, Amazon always tried to make it about the union dues. You know, they 
They know that these workers barely make uh, enough as it is, which is sad because they work for them and they can pay them more. But they know that these workers are living check to check. So, of course, the threat of, of somebody else, a third party, which they try to refer to us as um, coming in to take union dues, that's going to put fear in anybody's uh, mind who thinks that, you know, we're coming to take their money and to make me rich or to make me, um, uh, you know, a, a millionaire. Uh, they even told the workers at one point that I'm going to take the union dues and go buy a Lamborghini. They were just making up uh, just silly things every single week, and we had to com combat that. And, of course, the over $4 million that union that Amazon spent was on professional union busters. So these techniques are very uh, tried and true for them. And if we will uh, continue to just talk to people. Now, in the current effort that Amazon is making to overturn the election, are you hopeful about that, that, that this will be okay and that they will not be able to do that? Very hopeful. I mean, um, we know and I know that uh, we followed the rules through and through. Uh, we didn't cheat. Uh, we beat them fair and square. Even if you can say fair and square, <clears throat> we're talking about workers beating a trillion dollar company um, and they're crying wolf. You know, that's just what it is. You know, they're mad that they lost and they're going to spend every dollar to try to overturn it. Um, but they, there's nothing there. You know, they're just dragging this out. Um, <laughs> From what I understand, you know, I can't even tune in because we're removed from it. Um, you know, we just hope that the NLRB and um, we have a good set of lawyers that are fighting for us. Um, we hope that the decision goes our way. Um, Jeff Bezos has so many billions of dollars. He's one of the richest men in the world. Amazon has profits of so many billions. And all we're talking about is creating a situation where the workers for a company can have a living wage, dignity, reasonable benefits, so that they can live a quality life. How does that just make you feel on a personal level that this corporate giant who has so many billions of dollars is working so hard to block you? What is, what, where, where are you in your heart about that? Yeah, just it, it really just makes no sense, you know, how much greed, you know, somebody can have uh, in a lifetime, you know, just thinking about the fact that, you know, one million of these dollars, one million can pay everybody $30 an hour. Um, mm. So it's just it's just disheartening to hear it when you, when you put it in that perspective. But um, it also just continues to motivate us uh, what we're fighting for, you know, and um you know, we're not going to give up no, no matter what they do, no matter, um, you know, how much union busting money they spend. Uh, the workers are past that point of, of return. You know, there's no going back to what we saw and what we were, what we were getting pre-COVID. Um, this is the turning point, And I think workers know their value now. In this latest, more modern era, the, the the suppression of the union and the demonization of unions has been so strong for the last few decades. You have clearly made a dent in that in terms of the consciousness of the workers. What about just America in general? Do you think America is waking up just as a country to, to the recognition that the labor movement is an important antidote to uh, overreach by capitalism? I, I really believe that the tides are definitely turning. Um, you know, once again, um, labor is uh, is booming in the up 
from, um, I think it's believed 50, 57% uh, unionizing elections this, uh, this past year. So um, yeah, there's definitely something brewing here in the country nationwide. You know, I've been traveling the country. I'm called the Hot Labor Summer Tour. I've been traveling ever since we won. I'm continuing to do so to spread awareness, uh, spread our message and uh, to really inspire, you know, people uh, that want to unionize and no matter what industry you're in. So, um, yeah, I'm, I, I think the, the conversation is starting to move. Um, but we, we just have to continue to once again, keep our foot on the gas. We can't let up, you know, we can't a lot rely on uh, the politicians. We can't rely on the corporations. Damn sure can't rely on our bosses to give us what we want. We have to go get it. Is there anything else that you want people to know that you want people to remember? Uh, you know, I just want people to know and, and take note of, of what they witness. You know, we're just ordinary people that came together. Um, a, as I speak right now, I am an unemployed worker. Um, no matter if you're employed or not, you're still a worker. Um, and we're all a part of the same struggle. You know, um, when we come together, we can defeat companies like Amazon. We can defeat companies like Walmart. It's just up to us to, to really come together and, and build off a commonality. You know, I already said it to Lindsey Graham. Um, you know, it's not a left or right thing. It's the work thing. And, you know, we got to come together as people um, and really take on and fight back for what we rightfully deserve. When you were uh, speaking at a congressional hearing to Lindsey Graham, the one you just mentioned that, of course, was televised, I felt that he, something in him heard you and knew that you were speaking truth. Did you feel that way? <laughs> at the moment, you know, um, you know, I, no, of course not. <laughs> um, but when I, you know, obviously watched the tapes and seen that that moment, like, took off on the Internet, you know, I kind of said, okay, maybe he did listen to me, maybe not. But, um, you know, just to have, you know, workers speaking in the court hearing, um, that, that felt good. You know, workers need to hear that. Uh, people need to hear that message. And I'm glad that it resonated. Well, you're, you're making a very important point right there. It really doesn't matter whether or not um, Lindsey Graham heard you. What matters is that America heard you. And once again, the way you spoke to him, much like the way you spoke to Tucker Carlson, you do not waver from what you know to be the moral uh, truth uh, and integrity of your words. And it really obviously does not matter to you um, who buys it, because you're talking to the larger audience of who's listening. God bless you. I think you're incredible. And if there's any way that I could possibly um, contribute to what you are doing, please call on me anytime. Uh, I'm, I'm one of your biggest fans. No, I know already. And I appreciate everything you've done for me already. And um, your support as well. Very much needed in this fight. And yeah, just speaking about David and Goliath, the shirt that I'm wearing is actually uh, David and Goliath. Somebody designed it. Absolutely. He hit him in the third eye. He hit him in conscience. That's the one place where, and this is, this is very important spiritual truth about the story of David and Goliath. Um, the one place where the giant was undefended was in the seat of the soul. And that is what you do. You speak right into conscience. You speak right into the heart's knowing. That's how you... Uh, that's how you made the movement happen. I'm not surprised to hear that your mother had something to do with that. 
Uh, I have heard the little things that you've said about how the, the movement itself was spiritual, about how you prayed that morning. A lot of people have heard and have listened, and you have definitely demonstrated the power of David uh, to speak to the seat of the soul, and I think that you've only just begun. You've already made history, and I hope you make a lot more of it. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, that was my interview with Christian Smalls. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. Christian Smalls has made history, and now the rest of us have to find it in our hearts to do that which they say cannot be done. If you are working in a company or in an industry where you feel that there needs to be a union and there's not, I hope that you will go online, that you will find all the ways that you too could start a union drive among uh, the people that you work with. This is, um, this is a movement that having begun in the way it has now, this reemergence of labor, the fire has started and it's not going to stop. So if this is meant for you, I hope you'll take action. In the meantime, thank you for being with me. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Check us out at YouTube. And uh, remember, we all have an inner Christian Smalls. All my best to you. I'll see you next time.